Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the Syrupcast, Mobile Serve's Canadian tech focused podcast. I'm Patrick O'Rourke, and Brad Bennett, a man who continues to refer to himself as the bad boy of tech, and I actually referenced that on Twitter the other day for the first yeah. time publicly. So now that's like your actual title, right? Like that's yeah, who you I are. should put it in my bio. I need to like really double down, but I haven't yet. I just was talking about motorcycles and tech and how where they, you know, intersect is me. Because <laughs> you own a motorcycle, right? And a leather no, jacket. I don't. I don't even have my AM license. But I dream about it all the time. That's pretty cool too, right? <laughs> uh, so I assume since you're the bad boy of tech, you're doing well today? Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. Um, been good, actually. I uh, Since I moved, I like I only moved across the street, but I have my own back door now, so I don't really see my neighbors very much anymore. But I was taking up the trash, and I ran into like my two favorite neighbors and like chatted with them for like 30 minutes last night. And that was actually really nice. It was nice to just catch up. I've seen people like pandemic closing us in and yeah, it's good to know that everyone's doing well. Social interaction. Who, who would have known that it's sometimes healthy? Yeah, really, honestly. We also have Dean on the pod this week. How are you doing, Dean? I'm doing great. I went on my first patio last night. I, my second shot from like my COVID vaccine, my arm doesn't hurt anymore. So I live in life and it's great. What, where did you go for your first patio experience? I need to vicariously live through you because yeah. I have yet I, been able, I haven't been able to experience that yet. I went to this overly priced restaurant called Akira Hell yeah. Back. Um, I think they're all you had me at overly prices. priced. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like sushi and stuff. I had sushi. Um, but like, man, was the bill expensive. But I'm like, it's worth it. It's my first patio. It's been a Hell year. Yeah. It's, I haven't done a patio since last summer and it's, uh, yeah, it's great. Was it nice? I went to yeah. I went to Home Depot yesterday, nice. and I looked at hoses. That was my thrilling. Oh my god! Experience. Is this Mobile Syrup the Gardening podcast? What did you get? Oh my gosh! Wait. Oh, I didn't. I didn't actually buy it. Well, okay, I did. You didn't I did. buy anything. I bought a I bought a sprinkler, like a sprinkler that That's goes something. back and forth because yeah. my backyard is so small. I think that if I just put that in the center, it would like do the whole yard. Um, and I was going to buy like one of those hose things that you like crank. Yeah, but I wasn't sure if it would fit on the ground beside my air conditioner, mm-hmm. so I had to go home and measure it first, and then I'm going to go back on the weekend and buy it. Nice. I just need to say that I need you guys to go back to King and Spadina. That area it has changed so much. What's so, like, the, the restaurant was the restaurant was kind of around there, um, so I walked by and it was just like there's condos everywhere now, like. In front of the old office, beside the old office. Did that like that like staggered sort of pyramid building? Did that get built? Is that here now? That was supposed to be super cool, like a big deal. Is that around? I think it's. I think that's like to the right, like a little below yeah. the gas station, right? So it's like kind of the, like I didn't get to like, get a full look, but yeah, it's a uh, it's different. The city is changing. <laughs> it's morphing um, around this. For those who yeah. are unaware, King and Spadina was like. When I first started, that's where the mobile syrup offices were. They then moved, and we will post COVID possibly move again. But at the moment, yeah, none of us have been there for like over a year, I guess, at this point, which is nuts. The last time I was in Toronto was when uh, I helped clean up the office. That was it. Yeah. 
Yeah, what a day. Um, but unfortunately, this is not a real estate Toronto changing slash gardening podcast. As fun as that would be, this is a tech, usually a tech podcast. I think I think I'd say. I don't think it would be fun. I, I think it would be fun. I would love it. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Sorry. Gardening tips. Um, yeah. But yeah. So th- this week ones. we're we're talking about uh, E3, Summer Game Fest, Microsoft's Xbox and Bethesda Showcase, Nintendo's Direct. All of the gaming news that's come out this past week, primarily remotely, at least as far as we're concerned, um, that's the focus of this week's podcast. But before we get to all that, Bennett, please hit us with the hottest news of the week. Who knows? Uh, space for the sound, and possibly an ad, who knows? But uh, yeah, hottest news of the week. So um, there's a new OnePlus phone coming to Canada. It's got Nord branding. It's not like... Okay, so for the OnePlus Nord situation, there's OnePlus's like flagship phones, then there are the Nord phones in the mid-range, and then there are the Nord phones at the low end. Um, the mid-range one, I used the one last year, is really sweet, loved it, didn't come to Canada, great. They put the low-end ones out in Canada, used them, not great, didn't love them. Now we're getting another low-end one called the N200 5G. It's basically an upgrade over the lowest-end OnePlus phone to ever be released in the time period of which it's released, if that makes sense to anyone. Um, but it's coming to Canada. It's going to be like $319. It's a OnePlus. It has a 90 hertz screen, like a 5,000 milliamp hour battery. So perhaps this one will be better than the N100 or the N10. Um, Is it mid-range? I would put it like low end. I mean, it's low a 480 chipset. It's not like a 600 series or even a 700 series. Low end with a 90 hertz display. That's crazy. Yeah, OnePlus a few years ago made this like rule where they were like, if we put out phones, they're going to have 90 hertz displays. Um, and they did. They So far they have. Although the N10, which is the low end one that I reviewed, the upper low end one that I reviewed last year had a 90 hertz display and it still didn't really save it. I mean, bad haptics. Other, I think part of the key of the 90 hertz display is like it feels so smooth, but you also want like really smooth and really like nice haptics to go along with that because those are the two ways that you interact, you know, with your eyes and your hands, you're interacting with the phone that way. And if they don't really match up, it just, even if it's a 90 hertz display, it still feels kind of low end. I don't know. Dean, what do you, you do? You use, you use some lower end phones too. Do you kind of feel that or am I crazy? I don't know. I, mean, I haven't used a low end phone that low in a while. Uh, no, the TCL one. All my phones have had at least 600 processors. Um, Ha, yeah, <laughs> I haven't used a budget in a while. Yeah, um, going to review it. It's going to be something. But yeah, that's coming out. I think, you know, if you want a $300 phone, maybe wait a month or two because there there might be a good one coming. Well, have to see. Um, the next thing, this one I'm actually super excited about is Sonos and Ikea are collaborating again. But this time, instead of doing a speaker lamp or a speaker that's a speaker, it's a speaker that hangs on your wall. Um and it is a picture frame. It's like a big picture frame. Oh, it's really and cool it looking. Hangs, yeah, it's like six centimeters thick. It just like hangs on your wall. Um, they have three different prints that you can get on it from Ikea. But I'm really hoping that like once I get mine, I can figure out how to mod it and put like whatever I want on it. And I think that'll be sweet. My dream is to get two and like put them behind my couch. And then somehow disguise the wires because they do have to be plugged in. So there's like a wire running up your wall, which admittedly kind of sucks. Um, but I want to put them behind my couch to be like rear surround sound speakers, but like they would just look like paintings on the wall. Could you sync them like that really though cool. to work with uh, like a set top box? Uh, you have to use a Sonos soundbar. That would okay. be the only way. Um, yeah. So like 
with Sonos, you if you have two speakers are the same, like two Sonos ones, two IKEA lamps, two IKEA bookshelf speakers, two Play Fives, whatever, you can do sync them in stereo. And if you can sync them in stereo, which means they're two of the same speakers, you can also generally sync them to a soundbar to use as rear surrounds. I mean, I asked that during the presentation. I did not answer my question, so I don't know yet. Um, but I am going to be getting your review unit and we'll figure it all out. But honestly, I think they're 220 bucks in Canada. They're coming out like mid-July and they look sweet. And uh, stay tuned to see how they sound as well. Um, moving on to some more like core mobile syrup news is just the government has a 5G spectrum auction happening right now, um, which this they've been having a couple, I think two years ago was the last spectrum auction, if I'm correct. I think R- we skipped Roughly, I, I believe. Yeah. Um, that one was sort of like the beginning of 5G. Like, here's a little bit of 5G, whatever. It's like not the greatest 5G. It's not even that much faster. It's not, I don't really know how, what the technical def- differentiation is between that like fake 5G. It's on, 5G a, and it's on a different 5G. spectrum and it's based on like the core 4G network. So it's, okay. carriers hate when we write this, but it's like not really 5G. It's like slightly faster, but it's not. That would be the most basic level of explaining it. I think that we're going to do an episode at some point um, and have Aisha, our, our telecom reporter, come on and, and yeah. do kind of like another 5G refresher and a primer related to the Spectrum auction because it's such a big deal and it's something that um, will like truly sh- shake up the, the Canadian in market, the Canadian market in a meaningful way. Um, yeah. So I think I think we're going to do that this, this summer at some point. But yeah, basically, the new report is the next auction, which is happening now and will carry on for a few months, I believe, will be real 5G, you know, post this auction, I think 5G will then become a thing that we start including in our reviews, like, is it worth it, blah, 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 because I don't know about you guys, I haven't really been touching on it that much, because as far as I'm concerned, 5G at the moment is like, kind of meh. So hopefully, you know, in six months from now, we'll finally be living in like a nice 5G or starting to really live in a nice 5G world. So wait and um, see. I'm, I'm not sold that things are going to change that quickly. Um, true. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Because, like, there's infrastructure concerns. There's, like, yeah. band concerns or, like, certain phones don't work on certain bands. There's, like, a lot that goes into it that we'll have to figure out and we'll dive into on the it site. Would also probably, it would also probably be pretty limited in terms yes. of where it would be. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's true, too. Um, and then the last, the last sort of key thing, I think, to say about this auction is freedom is not participating because they're still in the midst of being bought by Rogers. Um, which I, I'm imagining that the sale will still go through, but imagine if it doesn't now and freedom does not get oh, 5g no. because they skipped this, this uh, auction because they were like, well, we're part of Rogers. Rogers will be there. That would be nuts. Freedom would just be like, I don't screwed. think they were part of the last auction either though. I think they, I think, I think that they were. I thought it was just the big three. No, I'm pretty sure. I don't remember. Sure it feels like a lifetime ago at this point. Yeah, yeah. I could be wrong. Um, and then the the last thing that I guess in the hottest news is the, well, there's a lot of hot gaming news, but I didn't put any of that in because we're going to get into it later. But yeah, new Beats Studio are coming out, or Beats Studio Buds, which are basically the newest Beats earbuds. So they're not headphones, I don't mind pointing these, but they're tiny um, and they have noise cancellation and they're like 200 bucks. So they're kind of like AirPods but cheaper than AirPods Pro and have a lot of the same features. Although they do not have the Apple W1 or H1 chip, so they can't like automatically connect to your phone when you open the case like AirPods do, which is um, a bit odd, but I guess that's what they're doing now. Um, yeah, I don't know. They're good for Android, though. They're good for Apple. We're hoping to get our hands on a pair soon. But uh, What I find most interesting yeah. about them, and I think this is how you describe them in, in your, your like reveal 
post about them, Bennett, is that they're very much platform agnostic, right? Like they're they're not really designed for iOS devices, despite being technically an Apple product because Beats is owned by Apple. So that's a little unique in terms of Beats because we've seen Beats headphones before that have the the, the specific like W1 chip in them um, or the, the predecessor to that as well. So I'm wondering if moving forward, that's how Apple's going to position Beats is like this more universal set of headphones that you can buy that offer most of the core functionality that you can get with AirPods. But in this like pair of headphones that works on everything in almost the same way. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of tough because like if you have an iPhone, it's probably, you're probably still better off buying AirPods. I don't know. Like that instant connect feature is, it's, it's the best. It really is, to be honest. Like, there's nothing like it. I mean, there is stuff like it if you're on Samsung, I think. But for the most it's part, it's not quite as reliable. World. Yeah, like, even AirPods Max, like, I recently got a pair of those to test. And you just put them on your head, and they just, like, it's like, connect. And you're like, this is, why can't all yeah. headphones be this seamless? It's, it's really incredible. But um, I don't know. The Beats ones are cool. And, you know, they have Android Fast Pair and Apple One Touch Pair, which I'm not exactly sure what it is. But I believe it's a very quick, like, pairing process as well. Still not as quick, but. You know, we'll have to see. Anyway, that's kind of all I got for the news this week. All right, let's get into the the bulk of the show. I think the the way that I sort of have this structured is panel style. We have a couple more people on the show than we normally would. Um, so to try to keep it like structured, we're just going to go through a bunch of different questions and, and I have it like divided into the different showcases, the big ones at least. Um, so first up, we have Microsoft's Xbox and Bethesda showcase, which is primarily uh, an Xbox gamer. This was my big thing that I was looking forward to. I thought that like, generally speaking, Microsoft put on a pretty big show. It's also unique that it was called the Xbox and Bethesda showcase. That's something that we haven't seen before. Yeah. Do you and think like, they'll I, carry that forward? I don't know how long they're going to do it for. You think, so, you think they will, Brad? Yeah. Well, I'll get into it more. Okay. Right. Yeah, Brad. So like, I guess this is a good place to throw it over to you. Do you want to just like, and, and I know this is subjective, but do you want to like talk about some of the highlights related to the show, I guess, and, and also why it wasn't just called the Xbox showcase, right? We know there was an acquisition, but this is obviously also related to the way that Microsoft is positioning Bethesda within the broader company as well. Like just putting it front and center right at their E3 showcase. Yeah. So the two big focuses of their show were Bethesda and Game Pass, and the two kind of go hand in hand because, you know, they acquired Bethesda officially, uh, ZeniMax, the parent company of Bethesda, earlier this year. And there have been a lot of questions since about what what's going to be exclusive, what's not going to be exclusive, because, you know, Bethesda owns a lot of legacy franchises like Elder Scrolls, like Fallout, and then new stuff like Starfield, which I'll get into in a minute. So there was a lot of qu- questions about what's going to be exclusive uh, what are they still going to bring to PlayStation, uh, Nintendo, etc.? So this event, first and foremost, was to kind of definitively state, okay, yeah, we are going to have exclusives. Because some people, and I never really understood why, you don't spend $7.5 billion to make to release your games on other platforms. Like, yeah. that never made any sense to me. Um, people would liken it to Minecraft, for example. But Minecraft's a different situation because that was already on every platform under the sun. Like, it wouldn't make sense from microsoft to pull it and just make it exclusive to xbox but uh the big thing for for them with respect to exclusives for bethesda was starfield because that's a new sci-fi ip directed by todd howard the the core fallout and elder scrolls team 
It's their first new IP in 25 years. They they revealed it way back at E3 2018, but they never said any platforms for it. So uh, it was always kind of speculated if that would be exclusive. So Xbox came out, opened the show with Starfield, and said definitively, this is only Xbox Series X and PC and Game Pass day one uh, to just kind of clear the air. PlayStation, you're not going to be able to, to play it on PS5. Um, and then uh, to that point, they ended the show with Redfall, which is another new IP from Bethesda, though from the Arcane team, which made Dishonored. And it's like a co-op vampire game. It's basically Left 4 Dead, but with vampires, it, based on what we've seen. that They only showed a CG trailer. Cool. Yeah, it looked cool. And that's also Summer 2022 exclusive. I kind of got the feeling... Uh, exclusive to Xbox and PC. Yeah, I kind of got the feeling that one might be open world, too. Yeah, they said it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we, yeah. Is it? Yeah, okay. So... Yeah, so that so was kind of sorry. Before we keep going, Brad, can you move your can you move your mic back just a little tiny bit, like away from you? I guess. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah. That, that that like I I thought it was a really cool cool show. Was was there anything else that you like wanted to highlight? From yeah, it? that, that was obviously Brad? like the the Bethesda stuff. Because for context, there's some stuff they just can't talk about right now, like Deathloop and uh, which is um, like a Dishonored type shooter. And Ghostwire Tokyo, uh, which is like an open world kind of fantasy sci-fi game. game. Those are both PlayStation exclusive. So Microsoft has to abide by uh, the existing, you know, contractual agreements to make that those games one year exclusive. So obviously they're not going to talk about a PlayStation game at their showcase. So those are still two games that PlayStation fans will still get. Uh, and then the Elder Scrolls 6 is obviously many, many, many years away. So I would assume that would be exclusive, but who knows? Because that's a little different. That's years away, anyways. Um, but so far away. The big, yeah. The, the big thing for them was Game Pass, right? Uh, where even at the show, they're like, "Here's ten more game Bethesda games on Game Pass." So there's now thirty Bethesda games on Game Pass. Uh, on that day, they added like Wolfenstein Two, Wolfenstein Two, uh, which is a great game. Yeah, one of my favorites from 2017. Uh, some of the older Fallout's, I think Doom 2016. Uh, so there's like thirty Bethesda games there. So that was the one thing. But as a as a whole. The theme was Game Pass because they showed 30 games at the showcase and 27 of them are available on Game Pass. Like after every game, it was like a big narrator, Game Pass, day one kind of thing. And that was, so Microsoft was really making the case for why Game Pass is a is like a must-own service. Uh, like they had a big roadmap of that they showed during the show of like every month, there's like at least one or two big games on Game Pass starting like... Uh, Starting this summer, like August has Hades uh, coming to Game Pass for the uh, Xbox for the first time. Day one Game Pass, twelve minutes, which is a really cool uh, interactive um, thriller, time loop thriller uh, with Daisy Ridley, James McAvoy, and Willem Dafoe. Game Pass day one in August. Psychonauts two from Tim oh, Schafer, really? day one Game Pass. That's also on other platforms because that was previously confirmed for them. But again, day one Game Pass, so the best value is on on xbox um they revealed forza horizon 5 which i'm sure bennett was very excited about uh it looked really cool uh that's coming november 9th uh uh, back for blood which is a warner bros game it's the spiritual successor to left for dead from the left for dead team that's day one on game pass so and then there are a lot of like games from like uh, a bunch of different like european studios like uh stalker 2 and atomic hearts gate day one game pass so yeah, that was the the running theme is that ev- pretty much everything you see here with the exception of like Far Cry 6 and Battlefield's 2042 which got new trailers, everything is Game Pass, which is 
pretty wild because uh, just to give a little bit of context, they recently, uh, Phil Spencer, the head of Xbox and Satya Nadella recently sat down and kind of outlined their plans for Xbox going forward. And they confirmed that they're going to be bringing Game Pass to other platforms like uh, smart TVs and they're working on streaming devices like a Roku that you could just plug into a TV or monitor for Game Pass. They're going to bring Game Pass to consoles uh, Xbox consoles, uh, so they're they're expanding all the ways that you can interact with Game Pass. So the idea is when Starfield, you know, launches November eleventh, twenty twenty two, which is the release date they gave it, uh, you could, in theory, even if you're a PlayStation gamer, it doesn't really matter what box you own, right? You don't even need to own a console. You could just plug in the streaming device, or if you have a smart TV, just download the Xbox app or whatever the case would be, and just play it. And all you you get all of that stuff for you know 16.99 canadian which is the price of game pass ultimate or to your phone you know you can stream a lot of these games to your phone so uh, i think it's a very interesting strategy and and their e3 was very much emphasizing that cross-platform uh strategy quick question 12 minutes is that a xbox exclusive i don't remember console exclusive yeah xbox and pc okay cool yeah Yeah, that's one of my most anticipated games uh i was super excited for that yeah, it looked really good. It's yeah. really cool. Yeah. yeah, I wanna I wanna ask you guys like your your favorite um, announcement from this particular event. But I think the the one for me, anyways, as a Halo fan, was seeing Halo's multiplayer. That was like I I there's a lot of people that I saw online that are like longtime Halo fans that are, are my age that were really upset with what they saw. But I thought it was a cool modernization of halo multiplayer right like they're bringing some stuff back from past games like the equipment that was a big part of halo 3 there's like some changes to vehicles where they're now destructible there's some new vehicles but the core of like the arena based gameplay that halo is known for was still there and it seemed like a fresh modernization of it i also saw some people complaining that there wasn't any um there's no battle royale mode right like that that was a a thing that i saw people saying and like i don't I don't really want that from Halo, right? Like, if I want to play a Battle Royale, there's a bunch of games out there. There's, like, I agree. There's Apex, there's PUBG, there's, like, Fortnite. Like, there's, there's games that already do that. What I want is an arena shooter, right? Um, yeah. And that seems yeah. to be what they're delivering. So that, that was my favorite announcement from the keynote, and it was cool to finally see the game in action with the, like, fresh coat of paint that they've added to it. But I guess I'll, I'll throw this out to all of you guys. Um, what was your favorite thing that you saw during the um, Xbox Bethesda showcase? And, and Bennett, we'll, we'll start with you. Um, so yeah, I like you, a big Halo fan, so really was excited about that, uh, especially the armor customization. So it seems like, I guess, taking a step back, my favorite Halo multiplayer was Reach, probably because of the age I am, and probably because like you could customize your Spartan so much, and I loved that. that. I just literally grinded out to get credits to like, buy different shoulder pads and get the like visors on my helmet, and I loved that customization, so I'm really hyped to see uh, the Halo 5, or not Halo 5, the Halo Infinite customization. Uh, they showed off a little bit of that. I think that looked really cool. And then the other thing uh, is just Forza Horizon 5, like Brad said. I mean, I'm still waiting more i think from motorsports eight eight uh, the next motorsport game it's been like a really long time since we had one of those and ever since i tested out flight simulator i've been getting more into the simulation stuff so i want motorsport and i want to get like a wheel and, and really dive into it that way um but horizon 5 will be uh 
a cool way to tide me over. And I think it looks really nice. And uh, it's actually kind of fun that two games are like set in Mexico. So we have like Far Cry 6 and Far Cry cool. 5 coming out this year. So kind of a cool different like views of how game developers are used, using Mexico, I guess, which is kind of fun. Dean, uh, what about you? Um, I played a lot of exp- uh, I played a lot of Halo in the past as well, and I thought it was really cool that there was a point where it looked like one of the characters was able to grapple a gun into his hand, and I was like, "Whoa, yeah, that, that was, was sick!" Yeah. So I might like brush off my Xbox for that, but um, for me, the, the CGI trailer for uh, Redfall was like Same. very cool. There was a black woman with magical powers, and like this, like, her power this was like the guy summon an elevator and it would like appear as an elevator yeah. and then they would like get in and it would boost them up. I thought that was hilarious way to use like a grab lift type mechanic in the shape of an elevator. I don't know how it will play or anything because there was no gameplay obviously um, but I've liked arcane stuff in the past um, so I, uh, I'm excited for that and last but not least uh, Party Animals was this the cutest did look game cool. ever uh, the the animation was just adorable, and um, I don't know if I'll ever play it or anything. Maybe if it comes to game, oh, I mean, I think it was one of the Game Pass games, but um, maybe I'll like download it and play it. But it just looked adorable, and I was all about it. Uh, Brad, what what about you? Like, I know you already gave us an over overview of um, the showcase, but like, was there anything that you were particularly hyped for that that stood out from it? Yeah, I mean, uh, 12 Minutes was the one I was really hoping for to get a release date because uh, for context, uh, that's mostly one man, uh, one developer working on that game since like 2015. Uh, so the fact that he's been at it for years, I actually got to see it at E3 2019, but there was just so many things going on that I never really got around to to writing about it. But uh, And then the fact that they brought on Annapurna, which is a publisher of some really great indie games, and then they brought on these like AAA Hollywood actors uh, for it. It just looks really cool. Uh, and another one that really stood out to me was Replaced. Um, it was getting a lot of buzz. It's from this, it's like a 2.5D like pixel cyberpunk thriller, uh, like action thriller um, set in like a dystopia. And uh, again, Game Pass, uh, it's next year. It's from this like small team in Belarus, which is kind of interesting. Um, yeah, the game just looks really cool. Uh, and I'll just be, I'd be remiss not to mention, uh, I should have mentioned it in the, roundup of stuff but uh we got a release date for age of empires 4 which uh you've done some coverage on uh for us that's, that's coming from vancouver totally forgot about that uh canadian studio vancouver based relic uh so yeah that's coming out in october obviously same thing day one game pass so uh pretty cool game give a shout out to that as well selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm pretty, pretty hyped for that. And I think, I think I may have to buy a gaming PC to be able to play it because my current gaming PC <laughs> is so old that 
Like I, I when I talked to the developers, I like asked them, like I gave them my actual specs just to see if it would run. And they were like, it should run, just likely not very well. So I think that may be my final, um, my excuse to get a, get a gaming PC that's at least somewhat recent. Because uh, I, I don't think it's going to come to to Xbox uh, Series X anytime soon. Although when I spoke to them, they didn't rule that out. So I, I think that that's like on the table and we might see it um, come to console can, down the line. Which... Can you play games with keyboard and mouse on Xbox yep. Series mm-hmm. X? Yeah. Yeah. So... It seems possible then. They may also like, do like a control revamp too. Like Halo Wars Two is actually pretty decent to play true. with the controller. Gears Tactics um, as well. Um, Gears Tactics as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, um, yeah, can I, I ask one more question before I move yeah, away from Xbox? Just in terms of your guys' friends and like people you know, like the gamers in your life, do people seem like uh, into Game Pass or not? Because all of my friends like kind of hate it, and I don't know why, but they do. So I'm, I'm looking. For for like a shining light at the end of this tunnel. Does anyone have any good experiences? I think Besides, so. Like, most of my f- no, go on. Go ahead. I was just to say most of my friends are on PlayStation, but I have one friend who has a Series X, and anything that is available for both consoles, if it's on Game Pass, he's just going to get it for Game Pass. It makes a lot more sense. It's free, yeah. and um, yeah. So I think that it's surprising that your friends are, to me at least, it's surprising that your friends are against it. They're just like, if we're going to get a game, I might as well own it. And like, it's like, yeah, but yeah. you know, for the cost of essentially is like what, two games, you could just have access to hundreds of games for the year. Like if you're going to buy two full price games this year, you might as well just have Game Pass. Well, and the, the thing That's with Game of- Pass is uh, so many people buy digitally anyways. And the thing with Game Pass is you get a 20% discount on every game in the catalog, which is already like a good discount because games typically, if they do go on sale, maybe go 30% off depending. So like... Yeah. Because um, there's a lot of third-party games in there too. Even if you don't care about Xbox exclusives like Halo or whatever, like I, you know, I mentioned all those day one games uh, coming straight to um, Game Pass. I think uh, to answer your question yeah. more directly, I think um, it is so closely tied to Xbox and by to a lesser degree PC right now that I think a lot of people, especially because PlayStation uh, and Nintendo. Uh, in terms of like sales for consoles are like the dominant uh, systems right now. I think the narrative surrounding it is, Oh yeah, it's, it's, it, maybe that's a cool thing, but it's on game. It's an Xbox or PC thing. It's not really for me. I think as Microsoft continues to bring game pass to more devices, you know, a lot of people have like a Roku or a lot of people have um, like a smart TV or something, uh, something to that effect, or even just a mobile device. Right. Cause it's still technically in beta on mobile. Um, game pass uh i think once they yeah. start yeah, properly definitely. branching this stuff out people will will realize oh yeah i don't even need to own an xbox to play halo or um like starfield that'll be streaming as well like the, the, the fact that you could play like skyrim in space as That's they called true. it on your phone or your tablet or your tv without even owning a 400 500 system that's like the end goal for Game Pass. And I think, obviously, they've still got some ways to get there. You know, we tried the iOS beta. It was kind of spotty. So th- th- yeah. th- there's still work to be done for sure. But I think that's the end goal that will ultimately bring in, you know, millions more people. Because they already have like 20 million subscribers, which is really solid for three years, I think, yeah. Game Pass is, uh, has been around. So, uh, yeah, I-, I think that's what the end goal is. I actually have a question for Brad, too. Uh, why... Do you so there was no mention of uh Hellblade 2 like Santa oh, Sacrifice yeah. um do you did you you hear anything yeah. like why so uh 
interestingly, Xbox is doing a, something called an extended game showcase. And that's t- uh, just thinking of when this will go up. This is That's on June 17th, uh, tomorrow when we're recording. So Thursday, June 17th. Uh, and it uh, it's hosted by Paris Lilly, who does Gamertag Radio. Uh, and he's going to interview a bunch of developers from the Xbox Game Studios. And one of them is uh, Ninja Theory. So they confirmed in a tweet, or I believe uh... earlier today, that they will show a behind-the-scenes look at uh at hellblade which i think is a is a cool way of doing it because you can only pack so many things in a in a show right so i think having an 100%. having like a post show kind of thing we'll get into it later but nintendo does that very well as uh also where you have stuff after the fact because you can only you want to keep the main show concise and fast-paced right which i think xbox did quite well here it was just game 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 not a lot of talking heads it was very well paced and i think something like this extended game showcase where it's more of like a a fireside chat kind of thing gives it gives them more freedom to kind of just take it more slower paced you know just kind of talk more about the game so i I kind of like that format so it's kind of like a post show for e3 which is cool excellent cool thank you speaking of bad pacing ubisoft sorry forward a little bit um i thought that this was a somewhat underwhelming presentation a lot of it was stuff we'd already seen like i'm they, they got me again. Like I'm excited for Far Cry 6. Like every single time there's a new Far Cry game, I always say that I'm like not going to be into it and I'm not going to be excited because every single time it's the, the same game with way too many tasks to complete in it. And it's the same structure and it's very bloated, but they always find a way to pull me back in. And, and I like what I've seen of Far Cry 6 so far. I'm hoping that it's kind of um, a, a different take on that series. I've been a long time fan of it. There's also Riders Republic, which I still don't understand what that game is. And it's like an extreme sports type of game. So you'd think it would be something that I would like as a big fan of the Tony Hawk series, but I don't really quite get it. There's a jetpack in like, there too. Yeah, like, there's like I a thought, jetpack. I thought it was a sports game too, but then I see like jetpacks and stuff and I'm like, I thought it was like BMX. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I, I don't know what to make of it yet. And then like, we also didn't see Skull and Bones, which like, who knows if that game even exists at this point um but brad do you just set the stage for us like talk about what the experience of watching it was like some of the key key moments from the presentation i know that the big reveal was like rainbow six extraction but beyond that I, I didn't see a lot there that i was into or even people i know were like particularly excited about so for me i think the biggest reveal actually was the one that nintendo itself leaked hours before the show oh yeah yeah which was mario plus rabbits uh spark oh. of hope which is cool because it's a sequel to, you know, 2017's Kingdom Battle, which was a game that everyone thought was a horrible idea uh, and everyone ended up loving it. Uh, I know Pat really liked it as well in his review. Um, so, yeah, that Good Nint- game. the funny thing is Nintendo itself leaked it, leaked to the website on its uh, for the game. So we knew about it hours before, which was kind of unfortunate. But I think that was uh, inarguably like the biggest reveal from their show in terms of something brand new. Uh, it's a sequel to a game from four years ago. So it's not like we're getting them often. Um, because a lot of these Ubisoft franchises, you know, we get them like every year or every couple of years. So it's not, it's to your point about Far Cry. It's like, I'm excited in that it's a, it's a game made in Toronto and Gus Fring, Giancarlo Esposito is the bad guy. But like beyond that, it's just going to be more Far Cry probably. Right. So that's not, and like you said, I'm hoping it's not, and like, I, I, know it will be. I don't know a lot about Rainbow Six, uh, 
so like I kind of deferred to two of my friends who are big Siege fans, and they were kind of saying like, yeah, a lot of this stuff is just kind of from Siege. So it was nice to have that kind of context. It's like, oh, so it's Interesting. it's not really as new as I might have thought it was. Because uh, this game, again, was revealed like two years ago, and then we only just got it re-revealed now. So it kind of went dark a little while. But it used to be called Quarantine, but they changed the name because of COVID. So, um, and I guess uh, the... Hilarious. And I guess oh, the uh, <laughs> and of course they they ended the show with uh, their Avatar game, which you know they made an Avatar game way back when when the first movie came out. Uh, that was a Ubisoft Montreal game, but this is Ubisoft uh, Massive, I believe. Their division team working. I think that's on, what uh, it was, yeah. There's so many Ubisoft teams. Uh, I think it's them working on this Avatar game. It's I think it's called like Frontiers of pa- uh, Pandora or something. Uh, that's coming out next year. Uh, visually it looked really good but my big takeaway is i don't think anyone cares about avatar anymore like the the ship sailed on that that's a movie that had such a huge uh debut in 2009 and it has no cultural power no cultural staying power since like no one talks about it anymore other than they're making like five sequels to this so it's kind of it's kind of an odd thing to to base a brand new like uh open world um next gen only game because it is only ps5 series x pc um but it visually it looked cool I, I just think it could have literally been any other ip and my re- reaction would have been the same uh but yeah it, overall like you said ubisoft's show kind of felt obligatory like a lot of the other sh- e3 showcases where it just felt like they kind of felt like they needed to be there to show support for e- the esa like the the, yeah. the organi- organizers of e3 and kind of maintain that relationship rather than just out of a necessity to oh we got stuff to show um because you know there are there are a lot of things still that people want to see namely where's the splinter cell game ubisoft where's sam fisher yeah we want to see that uh but uh yeah it was overall it's kind of a mess show to be honest did Dean, they bring did, any did celebrities out on stage to you? sorry bennett what were you saying did they bring any celebrities out on stage? I know Ubisoft is usually pretty bad for that. No, like one or no, two not that I saw. No. Um, I, I will say, not even for Just Dance. Yeah, uh, yeah. The one thing that I thought was kind of cool um, is, and some people I, I noticed pointing it out on Twitter is like both of their hosts were like brown people, uh, which is cool, like people of color, uh, including a woman. Uh, you know, Ubisoft's had their own issues uh, with uh, systemic issues and toxicity, and obviously those still need to be addressed. Uh, but I thought having those two people as hosts uh, were, were really cool. Um, honestly, because you'll probably ask it, that was probably my standout thing from their show. I just thought it was really cool to see those, those two hosts. <laughs> they were very engaging. Uh, I, I didn't have a particular game otherwise that really stood out to me from Ubisoft. Because it would have been Rabbids, but that leaked. So, uh, yeah. Dean, did anything stand out to you? Like, Was there anything you're excited about that you saw during the keynote? So in preparation for this podcast, I wrote a list of everything that I thought was like Ooh. really cool and excitement, Such and I did not include anything from Ubisoft's presentation. Whoa. What a burn. <laughs> tough, tough year for Ubisoft, eh? Yeah. I, also, with Brad, like rabbits, I, I didn't play the first one at all, but I, I think I like the idea of it, and I think it's very cute, mm-hmm. but again, it was leaked. And again, I didn't play it. So it's a really good game, and it's often guys... on sale for like next to nothing. How do you guys yeah. feel about the combat not being like based onto like tiles of like a board game like it was before? Now it's it's did they confirm that? Like more free form? Yeah, they were like running around and in the Nintendo oh. Direct that we watched yesterday, they were like showing like new combat styles, like dynamic ways to play because you're moving around more freely, almost like 
uh, like the new Baldur's Gate game almost more than like XCOM. Yeah, I respect them for trying something different. We'll have to see how it goes. Yeah, that's true. That, that's cool. Um, yeah, I'll try it first and see. But like that was part of why I really liked that game was the turn-based combat. It reminded me of like Advance Wars, XCOM, and I guess that, that's a good segue to talk about Nintendo Direct. That was my one of my highlights from um, the Direct was obviously like sure seeing Breath of the Wild two was great. It's one of my favorite games of all time. But it was also neat to see like Advance Wars is coming back. That's one of my favorite Game Boy Advance games. Played it a lot as a kid. The first, the second, the third one. Um, so this is a remake of the first two games. It's kind of weird that the third one's not included in it because it was pretty critically claimed as well. Um, but what I'm hoping is that this leads to like a, a new Advance Wars coming out at some point, like one that's been designed from the ground up for the Switch. That's not just a re-release. I I think the Advance Wars Four, more wars. <laughs> Advanced Wars 4, the biggest war. Um, that was definitely like my two big takeaways from it. Um, Brad, do you, do you want to just give us an overview of the Nintendo Direct? Like, again, I thought it was a, a decent show. There was some surprises in there. I know we didn't see certain things like the Switch Pro. We saw a new Metroid. There was like some good stuff and some bad stuff. Um, what what did you think of it? I think Nintendo, like Xbox, had a really good show overall. I think these companies are finally learning that, uh, how to pace things better because we've been at E3s where someone just comes out and we'll, we'll get to Square Enix later about pacing issues, but, um, like Nintendo's direct was 40 minutes and it's very tightly edited, very concise. You know, you're only on a game for more than a few minutes at a time. Xbox did the same thing just in a longer show. So I'm really pleased with how these companies are are really like trimming the fat uh and to that point you know they have as i mentioned they have a treehouse live right after where they had three hours worth of gameplay demos which is a great way to be like okay here's a game you saw in the direct if you want a full breakdown of it we're not going to waste your time and third for 20 minutes in the show stay tuned to the post show where we have segments where you'll see more from uh all these different games which is cool but as for the actual announcements i thought they had a, a very great variety you know they had uh kazuya from tekken was announced for smash which is very strange but really cool no one i don't think anyone saw that coming uh fun trailer where he's like throwing nintendo characters into a volcano i love that um they like you said they had a lot of they, they had a lot of older stuff too um uh, like advanced wars like danganronpa fatal frame uh uh, the Metroid was obviously the coolest thing I think for me. Um, you know, the fun the fun thing about that game was Metroid Dread. That was being developed for the DS more than fifteen years ago, and it was just canceled. So everyone just thought we'd heard the end of it. So then when they bring it back, it's like, oh no, this is this is uh, Dread. It's a sequel to Metroid Fusion, which is on the GBA, uh, and it's the first two D Metroid in almost twenty years. Like that's pre- that's a pretty big deal. Uh, and the game looks really good. It's being made by Mercury Steam, which did the really good 3DS remake of um, uh, Samus Returns. That was actually, I believe, the only game Samir ever reviewed for us, and it was a great review. So uh, shout out to Samir. Um, I remember. I, I really like that review. <laughs> I was reading it the other day. Um, they had, nice. they had, and then they had like a new Mario Party, which looks really good. It, it, it had, it was hitting all the notes of what people wanted from the. The 27, I think it was 2017 or 2018, I think. Uh, the Mario Party there that, that you know, lacked online features, lacked modes. Uh, all of this is like, oh, it has online for all the modes, all the classic maps that you want from like the older Mario parties. Uh, they showed more of Mario Golf, which the classic mini really good. Too. Yeah. Um, just a uh, Shin Megami Tensei 5 for the JRPG fans like me. 
uh, looks really cool. And then obviously they ended with Breath of the Wild 2, which I, I found it funny watching all the E3 predictions going into this that a lot of people thought it would be revealed for 2021. And I thought they were insane. I'm like, there's no way Breath of the Wild 2 is a 2021 game. No Even in, in a world where we didn't have COVID, maybe. But like, given how much hype the original game had and how much praise it got. So the pressure to deliver on that, a sequel to that, coupled with COVID, I'm like, there's no way. Uh, it was coming this year, but and the, interestingly, they're not even committing to 2022. If you listen closely to what they were saying and uh, reading like the press release, they said they're aiming for 2022, so they're still not even committing to to that. So we'll see. But yeah, overall, I thought it was a really good show. Um, it was mostly focused on stuff coming this year, with the exception of Breath of the Wild 2. So there's a lot of stuff that we uh, that obviously we we won't see for a little while beyond that, but. Uh, like there was no new Fire Emblem. Pokemon, I assume, will get its own Pokemon Presents Direct kind of thing at a later date. Because, uh, but yeah, I think they they have a really good holiday lineup. Um, and uh, yeah, I was very pleased. Like I'm not a huge Nintendo guy overall, but like objectively, like looking at all of the variety of announcements, I'm like that was that was a really good show. Dean, how bummed were you that there was no Pokemon there? Uh, I was expecting a, an update for the games coming out this year. Um, but Same. I also, they, they've had like a whole thing for Pokemon in February and I assume they'll do one. They will do an update in a month or two for Diamond and Pearl and maybe Arceus. So I'm not like super bummed. Um, but that would have been my biggest thing coming out of it. Um, so personally for me, I didn't really have anything that I was super blown away about, uh, seeing, I played a bit, I didn't play all of Breath of the Wild. The first one I played, uh, I got up to, I think I got three of the four Guardian thingies. Um, so, like, I think it looked it looked cool. Um, and I'm a, I, I really only buy my Nintendo uh, consoles for Smash and Pokemon games. And uh, Kazuha is not the type of game, like, not the type of character I play, but it's cool to see that they did add another character, so I respect it and whatever, and it's cool. It's a Tekken character. Do you think they'll ever end adding characters? Well, the the, the current thing is he's the second last DLC character, and then they're done. Uh, I think the game does so well, I could see them maybe doing more, but the big thing is... Sakurai, the director of all the Smash games, uh, has said like he's ending. He's he's done with it, Smash after this. So uh, whether or not Nintendo continues with or without him, uh, which makes me think the the final character has to be someone huge because uh, you know there's only one oh, character Luigi. left, uh, and they make such a big deal of these reveals. You know, there's been rumors that uh, Nintendo and Xbox are going to work closely together on something, and we'll see more of it later this year. Master Chief for Smash. That's all I got to say. Final character that would blow up the internet. Be sick. Waluigi. <laughs> Waluigi has to come. They can't get it. Why? Uh, like, so one of the things that's not like, I didn't think it was going to happen at this particular event. I thought that if we were going to see the Switch Pro, it would have been prior to the direct. And that's what the reports were saying. What do you think's going on? Yeah, yeah, true. What do you, Bennett? What do you think's going on with the Switch Pro? Do you think that like? It's delayed because of COVID. Do you think that these rumors regarding like release windows are entirely off base? Like in a sense, the Switch is still selling really well, right? So yeah, why would you release ever, a new almost. console? You know what I mean? Like, um, what, do you, what do you think? Where do you think the Switch Pro is at? So I think if I had to guess, and this is pretty speculative, but I, I think a, it's being held back by chip shortages. If I had, like, if I had to guess, 
Nintendo might just be waiting on chip shortages. Although the way that a lot like, of phones buying, that's happening too. Yeah, but the way like you buy chips, maybe maybe they could do it. I don't know, but in my mind, I feel like it has to come out before the end of the year because I, if I was Nintendo, I think I would want it out before Pokemon Arceus Legends. That's a good point. Um, that or per, like before Breath of the Wild too, but that's so far off. Maybe it'll come out in 2022, but. With all of the rumors that keep like swirling and circulating this year, I think it's going to come maybe at the end of the year because I think like a big open world game like Pokemon Arceus Legends, they would want to have the extra power to like show it off. And that would be a game to do it. Yeah, that game was looking rough as hell yeah. when they showed it. So um, bad. And the, the, thing I guess, the thing I guess to compare to that is that game looked really rough. But now that we've seen some actual footage of Breath of the Wild 2, that game looked suspiciously better than... It looks but I really thought solid. the switch was good. Like the, yeah. the clouds and the hair and stuff like that, the, those seem like above and beyond switch level features. I, I mean, I'm just kind of guessing here and who knows what kind of power they can pull out of the regular switch. I'm not a developer, but seeing the jump from Breath of the Wild 1 to Breath of the Wild 2 and even Arceus Legends to Breath of the Wild 2, it seems like that game is geared for Switch Pro, but perhaps they'll bring it up further because Arceus Legends probably could use a little extra horsepower as well. I think another thing is that they realize they don't really need it right now, uh, to Patrick's point yeah. about the Switch doing so well, and also just kind of uh, like analyzing their, their holiday lineup, which is very solid overall. Shin Megami Tensei Five, Super Mario Party, uh, Sam, uh, Metroid, um, Pokemon uh, Shining Diamond, Brilliant Pearl, or whatever, however those titles go. Uh, like, it's a very solid holiday yeah. lineup overall, but none of those games I don't think would really benefit from a pro. Like they're not really games that showcase the power of a of a next gen or not next gen uh, an iteration of the Switch rather. Um, to your point, like I think Arceus yeah. uh, is obviously it, if not Breath of the Wild two because that would be later in 2022. Arceus, I think it would be a, a kind of good game, to, early game to show that with. Um, and I just think in general, um, yeah, they don't really have a lot to show for it right now. Uh, and they yeah, they, yeah they, they, they just don't really need it right now i don't think I, yeah i totally agree i think it's a combination of those two things like the sh- shortages especially since like looking at um playstation like ps5 like they're rarely ever in stock so like if they don't think they need it now and they know that they might be having the same issue where they're it's gonna be harder to keep producing why why talk about it it's also talk about it when you need it yeah i also think it's worth noting that the switch launched in march 2017 i i think nintendo knows that and, and it did very well right i think nintendo knows that you don't necessarily need to adhere to a traditional holiday release uh because you can do well on different fair. times of the year and yeah. and if anything really in a less point. quieter uh in a less quiet you know uh season like March ish is typically a very quiet time for games because you know everything kind of came up for the holiday, so you don't really have anything in the first few months of the year. Like coming out, this is obviously pure speculation, but like hypothetically, if they did come out in March, which would be the five years of the Switch uh, as like a fifth anniversary kind of thing, uh, like if they came out around March, it's like okay, Arceus, it, you know, just came out a month ago or whatever that that has like an update on the Pro and then whatever other games they have. Uh, smash i think would be a good game that would benefit from that as well w- um yeah I, like i just think they I wouldn't be surprised if rcs gets delayed even yeah yeah quite possible right uh yeah so i, I just think Honestly, all a combination like from what, of what we saw of it it didn't look like it was close mm-hmm. yeah 
Yeah, that's a good point, not adhering to the release windows. And maybe the more distance they put between themselves and the Xbox one, uh, Xbox Series X and the PlayStation 5 launches will help them in the long run too because people will, you know, core gamers who will likely buy a Switch Pro will have already like, you know, six months ago spent their money on an Xbox Series X and now like have a little bit of free money to spend on a Switch Pro again as opposed to fighting through the holiday season for those, you know, dollars to be spent on the Switch as opposed to an Xbox or a yeah. PlayStation. Not that any of those are really easy to get, so it's not even really fighting the dollars. It's more just like fighting other consumers to try and get it. But yeah, the, yeah that's a good point. Bro. The important thing I want to note is what was interesting, and Bloomberg was the one that reported before E3 that about, oh, it might come later this year. They might reveal it before E3 so they can show the enhanced games at E3. Obviously, that never happened, but Bloomberg was saying the plan was for this to eventually phase out the core switch, which is a key distinction because uh, when other companies have done iterative models, those were just alternatives, right? Like the PS4 Pro and the Xbox One X didn't replace the base consoles. They were just alternatives. But according to Bloomberg, they're replacing the core switch entirely. So yeah, to that point of the core switch selling so well already, they might as well, they're probably waiting until the sales kind of plateau a little bit, especially as COVID kind of, finally goes away a bit more and, you know, more people are out in the wild and vaccinated or whatever. Because in the last, like, you know, 18 months, they haven't really had a need to because it just took off in sales because of the pandemic. But uh, yeah, if this is really intended to replace the core switch, there's not really a an incentive to do it right away, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. So switching gears a little bit because we still have a few things to talk about and, and not a ton of time. Summer Classic Game Fest was a cast. thing that like I literally paid next to no attention to. And I know it's like a relatively new thing in the industry. Um, Brad, do you want to just explain what Summer Game Fest is? Yeah. So uh, Jeff Keighley, the Toronto-born represent uh, creator of the Game Awards, um, he came together last year to create the Summer Game Fest as a way to, because all the physical events were being canceled, like the E3s and the Gamescoms and whatever, uh, to bring together all the publishers to reveal stuff. Uh, it, it was especially useful last year because that was when the new PS5 and Xboxes were coming out. So there was a lot of time where we didn't know what was happening. So Summer Game Fest was kind of a way to bring together announcements throughout the year rather than be tied to a specific month because, you know, with COVID, things were always changing. It was hard to kind of, you know, commit to, oh, we'll reveal something in March or June or whatever because things were always changing. So Summer Game Fest was like a four-month-long thing to kind of, you know, let people have that flexibility and reveal things when they're ready. Uh, this year, you know, Jeff took a little bit of feedback that people were a little frustrated by how spread out it was. Uh, and, you know, now that we're in a little more of a solid routine of things, uh he kind of just committed it to be like a June only event alongside E3. Uh, but yeah, it was basically, it, it's just a showcase for publishers to do their own thing. It's not tied to any particular event or country. Uh, like E3 is typically a Los Angeles based event uh, that streams some things to everyone. Whereas uh, Summer Game Fest is a global thing, which kind of builds on Jeff's uh, experience with the Game Awards, which streams in like every country. Um and he did a kickoff live event, which was basically like a big game awards show uh, last week uh, where they had a bunch of reveals. Uh, I don't know. Do you want to get into those now? Uh, or was that like your next question? Yeah, I was sort of going to talk about that more with the like everything else section. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that's a good explanation of just what it is. Because like for me, someone who's followed the industry forever, mm -hmm. it's so different than anything 
we've uh-huh. seen before. So I just wanted to place it in context. Yeah. Um, like I like I mentioned, so this one I'll direct this at you, Dean. Um, I didn't really pay attention to Summer Game Fest because there wasn't like, and and I'm okay with that because like after seeing the announcement, there wasn't a ton there for me. There weren't any like Patrick games there for the most part. But I know the big like, I it's not a reveal, but it's like the first time we've seen the game in forever is Elden Ring, which is like a game I do not give a shit about, but I know you are super hyped about, right, Dean? Ditto. Yeah, I've actually I've watched the trailer about 16 times, and then IGN did a <laughs> breakdown of the trailer, and I've watched that four times already. Um, I'm pretty excited. It's it's by from it's developed by From Software, um, who makes the Dark Souls and Demon Souls and uh, Bloodborne games and Sekiro, um, and they work together with George R. R. Martin, who uh, did the Songs of Ice and Fire, which is like Game of Thrones. Um, in order to create this world, a completely open world game, which is different from um, Dark Souls, as it kind of Dark Souls kind of guides you, not guides you at all. It doesn't guide you at all, but Dark Souls has a path, whereas this is supposed to be a lot more open. Okay, and you should be able to do like you won't be able to. It's not like Breath of the Wild where you can fight Ganon right off the bat if you wanted to. Uh, you would die, but I mean, you could go there, right? But you could do it if you be, wanted to. Yeah, it's supposed to be more open. You could, you'll have more choices. Um, it will have some Dark Souls mechanics in it, which is very cool and what I love. But it also has like the first time ever you can mount uh, on a, a mount of some sort. It wasn't a horse, but it was something. Um, you you can jump, which is uh, crazy enough. Not a thing you can really do in Dark Souls games. Um, so what you're telling like just, me is it's Dark Souls with jumping and horses. It's like, it not horses, something else. It's it's like a, it looks like a, like a goat horse thing. Um, with goats, even better. It, goat yeah. simulator. Um, it, it had, it, apparently it will have over 100 different weapons, a different, you can even, um, there's a Pokemon aspect to it where you can, um, you defeat, you defeat enemies or spirits or whatever, you defeat something and you'll be able to then use them in battle when you're that's fighting. Cool, so actually. at one I didn't point, know that. they, that's exciting. in the trailer, there was a point where he summons something, he summons three spirits and they all attack the enemy together. Um, apparently that's part of that. It's like a, a capture mechanic and apparently there's be a, uh, a lot of different spirits to capture, which just sounds very weird to me for a dark uh, for a souls like game. Um, there's be all these. There's tons of different bosses uh, that are grueling and gross and disgusting. Um, what a and, selling um, feature! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and there are uh, and like uh, from what IGN was saying through their their interview, uh, they're saying that like a lot of the things you you're gonna want a lot of the cool spells or weapon techniques or weapon or what sorry weapons and stuff are kind of off the beaten path like you'll have to just you'll have to go exploring to get it which is something i'm really excited for and um yeah it sh- it should be uh really great and what probably surprised me the most was that it actually had a release date um of i think it was january 21st um for next year which is a lot sooner the day than before expect. pokemon arceus that's gonna be a tough it's week seven for you, days before is it oh okay pokemon i thought, I thought pokemon was yeah. 22nd 
No, it's twenty eighth. Yeah, okay. I'm gonna have to take a week off work, but um, <laughs> or maybe two. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's very exciting for me um to see this actually see gameplay and to hear about the games. They'll have like a weather system, like dynamic weather and, and night and day That's cycle. Cool. Yeah. Um, for me, that was obviously the most exciting thing about Summer Game Fest. Um, but Summer Game Fest had quite a bit of little updates uh, that also interested me. Like, uh, like there is a Smite versus Str- and Stranger Things collaboration, uh, which is super weird. Smite is a uh, it's a MOBA, right? Yeah, it's a MOBA, and that um, and it's recently in the past it's been doing collaborations with different Nickelodeon uh like shows so like it it included avatar the last airbender the good avatar teenage yeah the good at okay (laughs) collaborations with both avatars you could be it it actually had it it had both avatars it it had skins for both avatars uh it had teenage ninja turtles um and now seeing stranger things and it's a completely weird and super weird weird thing but it was cool to see it they they added that they also had summer game fest also showed off new uh what like the new like overwatch 2 characters will look like they're subtle redesigns uh, which is also a game i played a lot overwatch not Overwatch 2 obviously but overwatch is a game i played a lot of and uh because i wrote down the games uh salt and Sa- salt and sacrifice which is a uh it's like a people compare it to dark souls but 2d dark souls um mm. the first one and it's good to see that it's coming out of a second game as well but yeah summer's game fest for me was probably the biggest thing for all of e3 which is i know it's not part of e3 but e3 week um just because but that was mostly because of elden ring and i'm super excited to play it and I like it, looks great. it doesn't look as good as demon souls in my opinion but demon souls is next gen only whereas elden ring will be available on current and last gen consoles um i yeah i like all these different shows but i kind of i don't know maybe there's maybe i just was like not aware of it as as much but i remember like in high school and university i just it would just be like like a friday night saturday sunday sunday night thing and you could like literally just take a whole weekend and just like the whole time people watching new game coverage and stuff and now it's it feels so spread out that it, it doesn't impact me as much you know i'm a busy guy i can't like commit all of my time to this i think i, think, I don't know am i wrong no that? you're right like I, no sorry i was just I, gonna say that the thing is uh yeah because i yeah i grew up with the with e3 and you know having a week of uh a weekend or five days or whatever of of, of announcements uh i'm not really a sports guy so I, I and some of my friends used to say it's kind of like the super bowl for us in terms of like that level of hype and definitely you know watch parties and stuff like that we'd get together and watch them but yeah, with uh, with companies having yeah. their own uh, E3 is you know not as relevant anymore for two big reasons, uh, namely you know di- digital uh, with digital options being so prevalent and things like Nintendo Direct being uh, so big. Like Jeff Keighley even mentioned it when he was doing interviews about Summer Game Fest. Like Nintendo can just announce a direct, and they've often done this in the past year, twenty four hours before the actual direct. And then they just blows up, and that's the only thing people are talking about. And then they get like a million, millions of viewers the next day. It's like they don't need to have a a gigantic presence at a physical event. They don't need to, you know, hype it up for weeks and weeks and weeks, kind of thing. Or they don't need to tell you, oh, we'll be there in June. See you then. They can literally just whenever they want, 
obviously internally they probably have this planned out for a while but for the public side of things you only find out like a day before and it it just it does just as well if not better for them right and it's a lot easier for them to do uh and i think just in general people uh didn't really i think a lot of fans didn't necessarily temper their expectations going in because and jeff Keighley was even trying to say this it's like uh last year you know we got kind of lucky with game releases because most of the games that came out were pretty much finished right like the big games like final fantasy 7 remake the last of us part 2 ghost of tsushima uh animal crossing like those games were pretty much done when covid hit so it was pretty easy i say easy relatively development is very hard don't get it don't get it wrong but you know it comparatively easier to just finish a game yeah. but you know 2022 2021 was always going to be a, a a more spread out and barren year because the games that still had a lot more time needed a lot more time you know those were going to be the ones that were pushed out like already at the start of the year you know we saw things like hogwarts legacy the harry potter game gotham knights which is a batman game god of war you know most recently uh, god of war 2 got delayed to next year so there's a starfield is not till late next year uh even halo last year was delayed into this year like a full year later though that would seem more for creative diff- but point being you know uh a lot of a, everything, a lot yeah. of uh difficulties with development so i think a lot of people kind of went in expecting the e3 hype and this year was never going to be that so i think for what it was uh and i think the actual e3 show just to very quickly was kind of poorly managed for, uh you know the online portal was accessible to fans uh, as well as media we got early access to it uh it was very barren like they had digital booths but it was literally just like their the company's website but like a pared down version of it they had like forums and stuff that you could interact digital with booths never worked. yeah like it just overall felt very half-assed uh for lack of a better term uh and it it, it you know it was free for people but it's hard to imagine if they wanted to charge people for that, that anyone would even remotely pay for it. So I think the E3 <laughs> actual show yeah. was pretty poor, but the, the announcements here and there from the shows were fairly good for for what sh- it really is an off year, right? Because because again, uh, developers haven't been able to do a lot of things like motion capture because that's a you require you need to do that in person, right? Stuff like that. So um, overall, I think it was a solid show given the year that we've had. And you also got to remember, there's two less big, the big conferences we'd always get, there's two less of them now. We don't have Bethesda having its own conference anymore. That would be at 11 o'clock at night, and you'd have to stay up late <laughs> on the Sunday night to do it. But Bethesda is with Xbox it. now, and Sony doesn't participate. So you're yeah. missing the two big conf- E3 conferences that we used to have when we were mm-hmm. younger. So obviously, it would seem a little less, a little less than before. For sure. That's true uh-huh. too. Yeah, I didn't even think about Sony not being there. I guess because I'm not a PlayStation guy, but yeah, that's usually that was typically a huge one. Yeah, just, some stuff. I sorry, I just I was just gonna say one yeah, last thing. I think companies are looking at what Jeff Keighley has been doing because he's really been a pioneer of the digital uh, programming. Because um, you know, I've listened. He does some like clubhouse talks every week, and I've sat in on them, and uh, he kind of unpacks like his thinking of uh, uh, the Game Awards and stuff like that. And he doesn't like you know, crap all over the ESA and, and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, he, he's very candid about the fact that it, he's always envisioned this as a global event to reach everyone, right? Uh, and, you know, where it streams in all these different countries. And, and that's why when people keep bringing up like, oh, the Oscar viewership is going down, but look how many more people are watching the Game Awards. It's like the reason for that, obviously they're not entirely comparable because different mediums, different platforms, et cetera. But the overall growth aspect of it is because Jeff has always envisioned this as an event for everyone, 
whereas E3 is kind of has an identity crisis of, oh, it used to be a trade show for media, but now they're kind of letting in fans, but now some companies don't want to be there. And then, you know, it, it, so it, it's kind of, ha it has its own identity crisis, but, but like digital events like Summer Game Fest or whatever, like I think the Game Awards last year had like 105 million viewers, which was like a 40% increase of the year pr before, which was already like a 40% increase, et cetera, et cetera. So like the viewership has grown exponentially. And that's because from the forefront, Jeff is like, okay, we want to have this streamed in as many countries as possible, Twitch, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, you know, it's going to be on there. And I think that's a big reason why these digital shows take off so well. Whereas E3 is kind of struggling in its traditional style of uh, format, right? So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, there's some stuff that like we we just don't have time to get to because I know we have to wrap up. There's like there's Gearbox, Square Enix, Warner Bros. Like at, every major publisher did their own live stream, which I think is becoming increasingly common and speaks to like what Brad was talking about with major publishers just like doing their own thing at the show um but unfortunately we don't have time to get to that stuff um let's just like super quickly bullet point talk about the games we've been playing i'll start i've been playing the division two two-year-old um game at this point looks yeah, shockingly good on the series x plays shockingly good um i know it had a lot of issues when it came out but uh as far as looter shooters go i've been, been playing a lot of them lately with my brother because that's like his thing he's really into them it's great. It's like one of the best one I've played. Um, and at this point, I've played most of the big ones like Destiny. Um, uh, what else did I play? I played Destiny. You played that like, one with the guy that had the cowboy hat. You really liked it for a long time. Oh, Outriders. 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 I haven't played it lately because it's a little broken. I have played that quite a bit too, though. Oh, um, yeah, The Division 2, if you can get it on sale it's and you're into looter shooters, it's, it's definitely still worth checking out. Um, yeah, let, let's just go through this quick. Like, Bennett, what have you been playing? I haven't literally touched a video game in a long time, so this is a weird thing to admit at the end of the video game podcast, but uh, I don't know. I just haven't been gaming that much lately. I'm just waiting for Pokemon, really, really, but uh, I planted I planted grass in my backyard. That's what I wrote down to talk about. The yeah. game of More life grass. is what you're playing. Yeah. The game of gardening. Real life yeah. Harvest Moon, if you will. Scrub my deck, you know, classic stuff, bought a hose, you Ooh. know, enjoyed it. It felt like a game, you know, like, yeah, Harvest Moon, honestly. But yeah, that's about it for me. Dean, uh, what have you been playing? I've cracked open my digital case for and started to finally play the Final Fantasy set Final Fantasy VII remake. Let's go! Nice. Five up day. Nice. Let's go! Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, I'm not far yet because I've only played it. I only like to play like like story driven games on like, like Saturday and Sundays when I have a lot of time. I feel uh, that. Yeah. But, yeah. No, I uh, I've started to play it. It's a lot of fun. And last but not least, Brad, what have you been playing? Yeah, uh, I was playing that too uh, a bit, the the PS5 upgrade. I did a review of the new story DLC that was included in it. Uh, Final Fantasy VII is my favorite game, uh, and the remake is amazing, so I love that. And I've also been playing Final Fantasy XIV, the MMO. I'm not an MMO guy. It's kind of a grind, but I, I keep hearing how much better it gets. And the core team that worked on XIV is doing the mainline Final Fantasy XVI game, which we think is coming out next year. Square Enix hasn't said anything about it. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot of uh, cool stuff that I want to experience in Final Fantasy 14 before 16 comes out, and there's a lot. It's like dozens and dozens and dozens of hours, so it's a slow grind here and there. So yeah, I think that's a good place to wrap things up. 
that's it. Thanks for listening to the Syrupcast. You can find me on Twitter at, at Patrick underscore Rourke. And of course, on mobilesyrup.com. Bennett, where can people find you? Also on mobilesyrup.com and on Twitter at the Bradfad. Dean, where can people find you? At the Daily Dint. The Daily Dean on Instagram and Twitter and obviously at Mobile as well. And last but not least, Brad, where can people find you? I am Brad Shankar at B-R-A-D-S-H-A-N-K-A-R on Twitter. I too often, seriously not even making fun of you, forget how to spell my last name like all the time. So I know I know what that's like. <laughs> Um, and as always, you can find all of our content on mobilesurp.com and also follow us on Twitter at, at, uh, and that's the, the first time I've messed that one up, you know, and also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at, at mobilesurp. Thanks for listening. Nice. I'm sorry we didn't get to get into the game and watch thing. I meant to bring that up, but. <laughs>